hello and welcome to episode 4 here on Eat, Meditate, Live. This is Cat B and I'm welcoming you all to another day, another, what, 30 minutes or so of this podcast here on Eat, Meditate, Live. Um, I want to start by saying that when I started thinking about creating this podcast, there wasn't a premise of just talking about anything under the sun. Albeit the first episode came as a result of my frustration with a mortgage issue, mortgage application that became a failure I had like about um, a month or two ago. I had fun creating because I was primarily just, you know, there. Like in the second episode, talking about things without much thought. I mean, I did have like some topics on hand, but I was primarily just like, you know, talking, talking, talking. I didn't even have a script. The second episode, though, I have to admit, it was a bit of a struggle. Um, I was desperate to find a topic, but somehow, especially since um, I, I didn't have much expertise in a lot of things. I also didn't have a good outline, a script. Well, I don't want to say I don't have any expertise on a lot of things I think I do, like some parts of nursing, for example, but like just picking a topic became about like a big ordeal for me because it was just hard to focus on something that I can truly like give my expert opinion about. Like I said, I didn't have a good outline, a script in the first, you know, two episodes. Um, Thus, you probably noticed there were a few ums and likes, you know, you heard those things. But as I mentioned in my first episode, the best ideas come to me when I am in the process of meditating. You wouldn't believe it, but I really have had wonderful ideas uh, while I'm meditating. And um, I found my life is full of profound experience from which I can share snippets of teaching and life lessons, which I am hoping will help people, the common people. I'm no Joe Rogan or anyone like that. But I'm hoping that through these experiences that I have, I'm able to guide people in their lives in the simplest way that I can. Maybe to take inspiration uh, from these experiences and this, you know, triumphs that I've had over a couple of years. There may not even be triumphs in my stories, just like, you know, life lessons and, you know, experiences where one can probably like say like, oh yeah, I went through that too. But, you know, inadvertently, that person who's listening will think, oh, hey, life is not so bad at all. Like, look at this podcaster, Cat B. Like, she's okay. She's doing fine. She's doing well. So that's also, like, one of the things that I'm hoping for to achieve in this podcast. You know, um, also, it's it also you know, inspires me to talk in this podcast because I'm hoping that, you know, I am able to impart that the situation I'm in can also happen to other people, which will ultimately, you know, enlighten them to think that their situation is not entirely unique and that they too have a way to redeem themselves from and that they too can come out from it. Whatever issues or problems or you know trials tribulations or challenges that is even you know like success stories right like we all want that in our life bottom line is i wanted to share my story 
Today's podcast is about that too. What I'm sharing today though is something not a lot of people heard me say. And for a long time, I was embarrassed by it, stigmatized. If you're faint-hearted, um, just be ready for the things that I'm about to say because, like I said, this is probably a part of me that you haven't heard before. My bedtime alarm just went off. All right, here it goes. Um, when I was young, a young child growing up in the Philippines, about six or seven and many other times before I even hit um, 10 years old, I was molested over and over. Different men, non-biologically related to me, but different men ranging from my dad's friends to random strangers. It happened a few times, or many times I should say, not a few times, it happened many times, but there were you know, a few of them, or there are a few of them that I can vividly remember. I remember one of those men to be someone who would visit us and stayed with us for days. This was, of course, um, something that happened, or this was something that happened back in the Philippines. Because my father employed this person to be an announcer or host in the boxing fights that he promoted and sponsored back when he was alive. Um, This person, um, I don't exactly remember his, um, you know, um, full name. But he went by the nickname Piling. He stayed with us um, because he lived in a city that was an hour's drive away. I don't, you know, the funny thing about it is I do not actually have like many memories of him staying with us in our house. Like, you know, the the good ones, like the better ones where he didn't sexually abuse me. Except for that one close encounter with him though. And... This was the part where he unfortunately molested me. We were in our kitchen and right there he asked me to touch his private part and he kissed me roughly in my mouth. All that happened while my dad was, um, my dad and his friends were having drinks in our backyard. It still is really vivid to me, even to this day. One that I can remember or remember really well, like so vivid that I can almost remember the setting of our house back then. And mind you, we didn't live in the house um, after I was um, probably 12 or 13, but I still remember how the house looked like. Then there was this other guy, his name was Nick. He was another one of my dad's friends. He was local but I also saw him frequently enough because my dad also employed him as a trainer for the boxers, you know, boxers, like, you know, those athletes who punch each other who were under our wing. He drove this um, Motorella. It, it is a, you know, public means of transportation in the Philippines. And also, if you know enough of the Philippines, you, you'll know that kids take public transportation even alone. And of course, this was back in the 80s. So I did that most days um, because there were two years when I went to public school and I went to school about like five kilometers, about three miles or probably the most five miles away from where we lived. So I fairly saw a lot of him when I, you know, go to school um, 
in a public school where I went for second and third grade. Now I remember I was eight, eight or nine years old at the time. I remember Nick to have some charm. Um, you know, I don't know how old he was back then. He was probably in his 30s, my guess. So my dad pretty much trusted me to be around him. But then, unfortunately, another one of my clearest memories too of him was him fondling my breasts while I was supposed to be waiting for my dad to wrap up the night of preparing for a boxing show, which he organized while we were out of town. I remember this um, being in a seaside town. Well, that was much of the Philippine, uh, what much of the many of the places in the Philippines, anyways. But I do remember lying on a narrow bench inside a beach cottage. You know, one of those um, really huge cottages that didn't have sealed doors or windows, and it was dark. It was pitch black, and I was next to Nick, and there he was. He was molesting me. He was fondling me inappropriately. Um, particularly, my clearest memory was him fondling me on my breast. Um, then there was this one time, um, another person this time. I was on my way to a public school. I hailed, um, you know, the motorcycle, a motorcycle um, enabled public transportation, the motorcycle enabled transportation called Motorella, which I told you all, Nick also drove. I missed my school that day. Why? Um, because instead of being taken to school, the driver took me out on a quote-unquote road trip around the city. He took me to remote areas of my hometown and intermittently he was getting off behind me through my pants. I still remember so well how my pants had gotten wet from that day. I still have memories of what pants I actually wore that day. I remember him taking me to this area um, far from the city. I don't exactly remember where, but I remember like him taking me to like, you know, an outskirt and, you know, on the way he would pick up passengers and he would drop them off to their destination and you know, as soon as, you know, he dropped them off, he would take me to another, like, place again, and he would just let off. It's hard for you probably to picture this, because um, if you don't know what motorella is, it's like primarily someone rides, a, like, it's a motorcycle, but they put a cab around it. And depending on where uh, where you see this, Different motorellas have different, you know, setup or they design it differently. Like my city has it so that the the motorcycle is like right smack in the middle and they build a cab around it. And then it's almost like sitting in a, I have no words to describe it, in like a, in a jeepney, a Philippine jeepney where people, passengers face each other there. But in a motorella, it's much smaller they're probably, um, depending on how big it is, it can only have like four passengers or have six passengers in it. But yeah, that's what that guy drove. And he took me around town. He would let off, pick passengers and, you know, do it again and again. 
and again. But, you know, I, I didn't have much thought of it when that was happening. I was only like eight or nine years old. I was worried. I remember being worried that I was missing school. But then at the same time, there was nothing else going in in my head that I remember from that incident. In hindsight, though, I'm thinking about like, oh, my God, thank God he didn't rape me or kill me, right? I mean, he had that opportunity. He had an upper hand. He was bigger. He wasn't really the big man from what I remember, but he was bigger and um, he was older. Plus, he was a man and he had, you know, the upper hand having taken me to like these remote areas in the Philippines. Three vivid memories. I remember them through this day. The funny thing, not in a haha kind of way though, is that all through these experiences, I also remember one thing. Like I said, I did not say anything about it at all. Not even to my dad, not to my mom, who I saw infrequently yet, one who was, who I was so close to and, you know, still remain close to not even to my older cousin i have this older cousin named tina who was almost my who was almost like my sister and she acted like my nanny too but even her i knew i could trust her if i told her then but i didn't i grew up with my dad so pretty much besides my cousin tina who lived with us it was my dad who was my you know primary and um closest parent adult significant adult in my life but I didn't say that I didn't tell him any of that and yes I carried it with me through those years through these years I didn't really tell anyone until I think very briefly just very recently uh, my ex-husband June and this was probably not even not even 10 years ago and um or maybe it's been 10 years ago but fairly recently i also told my cousin tina who i told you was like my sister or is like my sister i just told her this about you know like i said about 10 years ago i think what it was is that for a long time i thought it was an embarrassment and you know I don't know, part of me also even think and wonder if I actually enjoyed the experience. I mean, yeah, it sounds sick, right? But really, that's part of the question that I had for a long time. Or maybe I was also scared that my dad, he was a very stern man and he was very strict and he like he would he was a very strong person in my life. So I guess, yeah. That's how I came to be as strong as him but I yeah I think I was also scared maybe although I don't have any recollection of it that my dad would like you know cause harm to them because I knew he would he would have done so as a caveat though I do not want to fault my dad for all that you know horrible horrible experience I had I never did. I never thought like, oh, if he only did this or if he only did that. 
it wouldn't have happened to me or if he protected me or whatnot. I never blame my dad for it. My dad passed when he was only 52 and I was only 21. I'm quite old now. And I knew he loved me with all his heart and did what he, you know, knew best, you know, fit to take care of me. I'm telling you, he probably would have attacked those men if he found out. And unfortunately, he passed away not even knowing what happened to me, his only child. Yeah, I have like two other siblings, but they're my siblings from my mom's side. So for that to have happened to his only child and he found out, I can only imagine what he w would have done. Unfortunately, as I was growing up, I think that contributed to a lot of my, uh, to many, or contributed a lot to many of my sexual innuendos and habits. This is hard for me to say because this is a very public, you know, podcast and I don't even know who's listening to this. And this is something that I've also not, you know, talk to anyone about except John. Um, one of the best things that happened to me in my marriage now is that I'm able to open to John about a lot of things because he's able to understand where a lot of my experiences are coming from and he is able to understand where my experiences are coming from by me telling him all these, you know, traumatic events in my life. Um, like I said, growing up, I, I think that, you know, those experiences being molested many times by different people contributed to many of my, you know, weird sexual preferences and habits. I, I find some of these to be odd and chose not to talk about it and be open about it and even explore these, you know, oddities with other people other partners in the past I thought I was queer in that sense you know weird or awful or bad for even having these like thoughts I mean right who wouldn't you know report it you know who wouldn't say such thing I should say I think those experiences wrecked me and I thought for the longest time that all those innuendos were despicable and were a result of my traumatic childhood experiences being sexually abused. Which they probably are. Like it was hard to figure out for like the longest time. You know, you just think about this, hit it, and just went, tried to go on and pretend that those things didn't happen. Yet in your mind, as a person who went through those things having and then consequently having this like you know quote-unquote weird sexual innuendos preferences and habits you just like brush it off and go on with your life as if nothing happened but what but once in a while that you know pop up in like certain moments some things trigger to for that for these memories to come about and resurface anyway um, fast forward to 2021 um, I went through a major emotional turmoil that left me crying like over and over and over on and off for many months 
um, that experience, which I want, I want to talk about that experience in another podcast because I don't want this podcast to be made even more heavy than it already is um, by talking about that, you know, experience um, that, you know, led me to seek um, help from a reputable therapist here in California. So yeah, like I said, I I sought the help of a therapist through, I found this therapist through a friend who is also like a known psychologist um, or therapist here in uh, Northern California. But yeah, um, but my intention in seeking therapy was meant to help me overcome something else, right? Like I said, it was something else, like something emotional that happened to me. Um, but be- because I managed to hire a good therapist, one that really cost me so much, a lot, like, you know, a lot of money, thousands of, you know, dollars out of my HSA funds. I also unraveled some of the deep-seated issues related to my trauma as a victim of sexual abuse as a young child. Remember me saying something about sexual habits? Yes, there were sexual habits that I didn't understand, like I said, and which for a long time I thought was related to my experience. Well, they are, but in a way I thought that it turned me, you know, that experience experience turned me into something, you know, something of a freak something like that someone odd or weird or like you know crazy i thought i was weird or bad for even entertaining those and innuendos and practices or and habits i admit i did entirely um tell my therapist that i wasn't sure um that you know I, I should say i admit that i didn't entirely tell my therapist that i wasn't sure whether part of the reason why i never told my dad was because i wondered if i could and could enjoy the experience thus leading me to have these habits in the long run i will likely not ever get to answer you know get the answer to that question because i had to stop therapy when i finally managed to resolve the other emotional drama so this part was uncovered um, to this part that wasn't covered was never fully explored. However, um, one thing I would eventually learn from my therapist was da 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 da. I'm not a freak. That are sexual habits, my sexual habits and practices, however different or weird or evil, quote unquote, or worse or wrong, they are or others think they are, I should say, emphasis on how others think how wrong they are, are only weird, evil, wrong, because society has for a long time created this idea that sex can only, say, happen in the confines of a marriage or within the confines of, yes, one's bedroom. The funny thing about going to therapy is you open yourself to the stranger, right? I mean, weird. That's like one of the things that's really like, you know, mind-blowing. You have years of issues which you never even talked about with the most intimate and, you know, trusted people that you have in your life. And they are supposed to be your loved ones or friends who can readily, like, you know, listen to you for free. But then, in the end, you choose to pay someone and what does that person do? Well, 
that person does her job so right, she uncovers experiences she never talked about or barely talked to someone about. So back to 2021, there I was in the middle of the pandemic, talking to a therapist about my pre-pandemic woes, actually my childhood woes. And yeah, my therapist was good. If you ever are interested to, you know, to touch base with her for help, let me know. Um, she lives out in Oakland, but she does virtual therapy. And I will give you her information should you need it. Well, going back to the therapy, like it was, you know, months of processing a lot of things related to my other issue. But then in the process of like, you know, doing that, we unraveled a lot of things, uncovered a lot of things related to, you know, my history of sexual abuse. And she made me understand that while those things that happened to me were unfortunate, that I shouldn't be too hard on myself for certain things I do, primarily because I thought that experience messed me up so bad. She also helped me realize, and I should have, you know, is this something so, again, this is something so basic that we should all know and remember in our lives that the experiences we have do not necessarily define us. We are not awful people just because we have certain habits that stem from our effed up experiences. And we are not monsters. And most importantly, that it is not our fault that we were victims. The same way that it was not my fault because I wore clothes when I was younger that had probably necklines that plunge a little or because I had puberty so early that, you know, I developed curds a little earlier than most young girls my age and that, quote-unquote, that caused these men to get tempted. They did not get tempted by me. They were simply sick in the head and I cannot justify for their stupidity. And here's my other take to this. Get some therapy, folks. It really helps. I mean, yes, it is costly. And mind you, I grew up in the Philippines and therapy was not. And I think it still isn't. I think people do. It isn't something that people do out there. I mean, in a lot of like these um, third world countries, it's still not something that people do. Even here in the States. I mean, I'm lucky that I have a stable job and you know we're provided with these funds that help us get therapy and my job also you know provides for you know free therapy sessions um only a maximum of 10 each year but still better than nothing but therapy is really something that you know i i believe now after having therapy um last year and again having like therapy and counseling with John this year that, you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for our soul, for our mind, and if eventually for our body. You know, in the Philippines, we grew up like facing the harshest experiences. Many kids grew up being abused just like myself, and many kids were bullied. We went through so many difficult experiences like losing homes to typhoons and parents to untimely death like mine, like my dad who died at, you know, 52. But then 
at the end of the day, it's unfortunate that the closest thing to therapy we ever had, and this mostly didn't happen till we were, you know, like mostly near adult or adults, like many other places that don't have the same opportunities as the United States and other first world countries. The closest thing we have to therapy are, you know, shots of alcohol and puffs of cigarette alone or in a company of friends. Yeah, that's an unfortunate form of therapy. We as Filipinos too are a culture of non-believers of therapy. My daughter, she was born here. Um, she grew up here. And even she says, uh, or she said when I asked her if she needed therapy when I left my marriage from her dad and when I moved out here to the West Coast, that, quote unquote, that is a white people thing to do, which I totally believe it's not collect because you know collectively we all can benefit from a good therapy i definitely sure wish i had one when i was young the national institute of health in an article that i read actually mentioned how therapy removes what we call symptoms from disturbing experiences that therapy you know as long as it's a good one helps retard the development of these, you know, disturbing or, you know, like these symptoms. And in doing this, eventually, although it may be a long process, helps towards the development of our own evolution. And we all want that for ourselves. Um, we all deserve it, right? And I wish, like, I guess in closing, I wish like and hope that everyone, especially kids, young people, who have been victims of abuse will find a means to seek help. Again, we deserve it. And, you know, we, we don't have to suffer in silence. And that is all for this week. Kind of heavy, but I hope you picked up something or some things or snippets of learnings and you took away some good points out of that. Um, it was a rather heavy topic for me to talk about. And it's definitely one that, you know, I've never been comfortable talking about to other people up until like I was, I guess, in my late 30s or something. And I know for many people, it's never an easy thing to talk about and will never be an easy thing to talk about. There's always, you know, that stigma to many that, you know, being abused is or was their fault sexually abused no that is so wrong and again um yeah if you need help try to seek the help of a good therapist and you will surely benefit from it and if you want to hear who my therapist is send me a message on blueheart 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 at gmail.com again it's blueheart 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 at gmail.com anyway today is a saturday although i recorded this on in a like um on an evening but this is coming out on a saturday and i wish you all a wonderful weekend um hug your loved ones have fun live your life um, eat bottom line is you know have fun and maybe just like me eat meditate 
live. I'll see you again next week.